Hello, and welcome back to Where the F is My Village. I'm so glad you're here. It's another great week to talk about ways to support our village with information and also just kind of talking about our lives in a frank manner. This week, I have a special guest. Her name is Angela O'Brien, and Angela is a professional organizer. You can find her on yourspacereclaimed.net or .com. And she has a podcast called Especially Organized. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about her life. So she has two children. Her son is 22, and he presents, quote unquote, as neurotypical. But it sounds like he might have been a handful when he was younger. And then she has a daughter with Down syndrome who is 20. So today we talk about what it's like to have a child who is 20, but isn't in the near future, going to be able to live on their own. What that's like from a parent perspective, what it's like to support her, what it's like to realize that you may not be able to be an empty nester and how she's coping with that. So I think that's a really interesting conversation. And then we also talk about organizing your home and especially with kids that are neurodivergent, like how on earth can we keep up with the mess? Which is funny because right now I feel very frazzled. Our house, there's just stuff everywhere right now and it is making me crazy. I have always vowed to be the people who can park in their garage, which means you don't own so much stuff that you can't even use your garage. We have been successful in that. We have lived here 11 years. And unless we were like doing a painting project in the garage that we needed the space of the garage, we're able to park our cars in the garage every night. So like, yay us, goal achieved. But I also want to be the people who use their dining room as a dining room and not a catch-all for crap that you don't know what to do with. And that's what it is, guys. I hate it. I I just, first of all, I would, that the dining room shares a wall with our laundry room. And I wish I had had the foresight to realize that the dining room could either not exist or could give part of its space to the laundry room because the laundry room is kind of a pass-through with a washer and dryer next to it and a tiny little like drop zone and our dining room is quite large it's seat six and um apparently how can house up to 20 boxes of crap at any time so it makes me crazy i feel like we get it under control we get it all cleared off and then there's once again something comes into the house that we're not ready for like i bought my oldest a trophy shelf and that has hooks on it so that his um, medals that he wins in tennis tournaments have somewhere to go so they don't get lost. I bought it last year, last school year. It's on the freaking dining room table still in the box, just waiting to miraculously adhere itself to his wall. I, it's so frustrating. And I like felt like I had a moment of genius when I bought the thing. It hasn't even made it up there yet. And then I also get made crazy by the washing machine. We have a top load washing machine, um, which is amazing and works really well. And that's why we have it. But it often is covered in crap. And then we have a 
like overflow freezer, you know, just like one of those that has like the lid that just opens up and down in it, uh, like a deep freezer or whatever. And that is always covered with stuff. And I get so irritated because I'm like, this is a functioning freezer. When I need more Eggo waffles in the house or, you know, a big frozen pizza that would take up too much room in the indoor freezer, I would like to just be able to walk into my garage, lift the freezer lid, and get the pizza. Instead, I am immediately furious because there's boxes of just crap on there because it's stuff, it's like a holding spot. My husband, well, our company just moved offices and he needed trunk space in his car. So he took three boxes that he was moving from one office to the next. Or actually, I think this stuff is going to go to the attic. He moved it out of his trunk and onto the freezer. Three heavy boxes of stuff that need to go in the attic, apparently. So I go out there to get some Eggo waffles. It's a busy morning and I just want to scream because there's three heavy boxes on top of the freezer that are kind of just hanging out waiting to be put in their permanent home. So Angela talks a lot about how you want to only deal with something one time. And my husband is especially bad at this, not to say that I'm perfect at dealing with the mail, but he loves to open the mail and leave like the letter and the envelope open nice and neatly in the middle of the kitchen. Like, so is this trash? Do we need to put it someplace and deal with it later? Like, what is this? And then that develops into a stack of crap. So it's funny that we're discussing this because right now I want to find a way to completely reorganize my entire house because there's just crap everywhere and maybe we need to give away a bunch of stuff too i i felt very inspired by her podcast so i think you'll enjoy hearing from her i think you know we haven't really talked to anybody yet who has children her age um that have special needs and so it's just kind of a different perspective and If you want to check her out, she does virtual consultations, so you can check her out on her website. And without further ado, here is Angela O'Brien. All right, we are here with Angela. Hi, Angela. How are you, Stephanie? Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. We're in kind of a weird situation because we literally just recorded an episode where I am on your podcast called Especially Organized, and that was really fun. So um, we're going to now kind of take a little turn and talk about things from your perspective rather than my perspective. And I want to give people like a little bit of insight into, you know, the tricky kid situation that's at your house, what um, if you can relate to that language and how that applies to you? Absolutely. Yeah. So I am a mom of two. My son is 22. He's a senior in college now. And my daughter is just turned 20 and she lives at home with us. She has Down syndrome. And so typically you might say that my daughter is my tricky kid. But I have to say maybe both. Okay. <laughs> um, it's really no all kids longer, are tricky yeah. in some way. I, nobody, nobody's easy. Right, right. He is no longer a tricky kid, I would say. He's, he's amazing. I just, I just adore him. But growing up as a toddler, starting at about 18 months until, um, well, it's certainly until about four and a half, he um, 
what we thought maybe he had ADHD. He does not, mm-hmm. but he definitely had some, um, like some visual processing, uh, issues going on that we learned about later on in life. And he, um, he's, he was really smart and he was outsmarting us and he oh my gosh. was, a... he was tough. He yeah, was tough. That's so yeah. hard. Yeah. Yes. yeah. It was really hard. We had to go to a developmental pediatrician when he was young and, um, she basically was like, yeah, he's outsmarting you and we're going to have to try some different tactics. And then you, you throw in the fact that we had a daughter then when he was two and a half. So we had a you know new, brand new sibling who now has some health complications and his parents are uh, grieving the the loss of who they thought they were going to get, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. we had our daughter and she was relatively healthy, but we were kind of grieving the fact that she had Down syndrome. We didn't know ahead of time and we were struggling with that at the time. And, um, so we're, you know, we're working through that. And then we have him who's just, he was just on fire. And, um, so we really had to kind of re had to learn some new parenting styles with him. And I will say, since then, while he's had some definitely some anxiety through life and he's definitely done some therapy, which has been fantastic for him, um, we paid our dues earlier, I would say, than, than later. Right. Well, that's um, great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's because... wrap this up by age five. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But he um, he's he's just he's such a great kid. So, yeah, we just we, we love being with him. He's far away in college and we don't get that much time with him as much now. But he's man, he's awesome. So. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I can't wait to ha- kind of have that perspective on, I mean, you're never not parenting, right? I mean, my mom still tries to parent me, of course, and remind me that the time is changing and I need to set my clock back. <laughs> like, gotta make sure I... Or always she, the parent. She's yeah. got to reach out and tell me that. Um, but, you know, to be able to reflect on the things that you're, you know, you're doing Maybe you did a good job <laughs> that all that hard work in the beginning paid off. And I think it's really special and important that you mentioned the grief associated with your situation. I think honestly, a lot of parents probably can relate to a grief with having children. And I think they don't get to talk about it because it's supposed to be um, like everything is magical and oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. And, you know, for us, first of all, I grieve the fact that I didn't have a daughter. Mm -hmm. I, we were Mm -hmm. sure trying all of the stupid things that they say make a difference. And we, you know, when we found out that, you know, our third attempt was going to be that third and final, that he was a boy. I mean, I called my best friend and she thought I had had a miscarriage based Mm -hmm. on how I was trying to talk and like, (gasps) and then I was like, she's like, oh my gosh, did you lose the baby? And I'm like, oh, well now I feel like a jerk. The baby's fine. It's just a boy. And it took me years. I just, I have a great relationship with my mom. I kind of was imagining that with Mm -hmm. my kids. Yeah. Yeah. grief there and then the grief of them being so tricky it's just not Mm -hmm. what i expected right right yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. and it's okay to grieve that it's okay to acknowledge those feelings right Mm -hmm. and um yeah and i think the the perspective that we have too from as a as i'm now parenting adult children 
um, I look back and there's been so much learning that has taken place, I think, in the last few years with regard to how we parent our kids in terms of understanding their nervous systems and how to regulate and and uh, learning about myself, learning about the Enneagram, learning about how I operate and what my strengths and my weaknesses are. I definitely have some grief about how I think I was... I was angry a lot. I was I was tired and I was frustrated and I was stressed about um, my daughter and my son just for various reasons. And so I have some grief about that. I have some like, I don't know if you want to call them regrets, you know, but it's like guilt, I guess, maybe. And um, luckily, like, I have, I, I feel like I have a good relationship with my son and we can be honest with each other. And he's, He's really responsible, which I think is part of maybe the fact that he is an older sibling to someone with a disability. And so he just, he, he always was like, I'm going to be the third parent, you know? (laughs) And so, um, he's very mature. And so we've been able to kind of just talk through a lot of that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think grief is a natural part of what we all we all deal with grief Mm -hmm. in some way or another and we need to i think do a better job of acknowledging that and making space and having grace for ourselves about that grief you know well i think you know all of us particularly the people who are listening to this podcast are probably working their tails off to do a good job and try to meet their kids needs and uncover the needs and figure all these things out. And I think there, there's so much more knowledge out there, which I think is a good thing. So much more knowledge. Yeah. But it's so overwhelming. It's really overwhelming. Yeah. Really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I mean, not that anyone wants to go back to the days where it's like my, my kids were scared of me and, you know, or in, I think now we're realizing your kid is having a hard time, not giving you a hard time. I think it's all so important, but sometimes I have to like scroll past every parenting expert on Instagram because I'm like, I can't today. I can't today find out that the reaction I had when he desperately wanted the red plate and the blue blue plate was the only one available that I failed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. I mean, it, I think it, it, it almost like just brings on a lot more guilt. Like the more that we know, the more we're like, oh, what have we done? You know, and so it just, it it builds and builds. And sometimes we have to take a break from that and just acknowledge, yeah, we're doing the best we can. Right. <laughs> you know, the joke used to be parenting doesn't come with a manual. And now I think, oh my God, there's too many manuals. Yeah. There's so much information and you can get on Instagram or TikTok and be, I mean, First of all, it's so great you can have access to these experts that have done decades of research in these various fields. That's really cool. But it's also like, I need to watch all of these, and then I need Mm -hmm. to do all of these. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, oh my gosh, it's just so challenging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So does your daughter go to school? Mm -hmm. She does, yes. So she, we're very fortunate that she... um, attends a private school for uh, students with intellectual disabilities here in Dallas. It's run by the Sweet School Sisters of Notre Dame. It's a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And um, we uh, had her start there when she was in fifth grade. Now, she, when she was younger, she attended public school because 
um, to be totally honest, you know, at the time, and I think it, this is still true today, inclusion truly, like being fully included in your in your neighborhood classroom with typical peers really is a positive way for people with intellectual disabilities to learn. And it's, it's can be a really awesome experience. And it actually was for our daughter. And it was something we really, really wanted for her. And we fought really hard to make sure that she was ready in kindergarten and um, to attend the public school. She was the first one in her uh, school with Down syndrome. And she, um, we really had a positive experience but we learned as um, she, as she, as she grew and as she matured, uh, when she went through puberty at the end of fourth grade, beginning of fifth grade, she started getting a lot of anxiety, mm. and she became very aware that she was different from ninety nine percent of her other peers, and she would say to maybe like the aid that was in the classroom at that time they would maybe modify a, a project that they were working on and she would say is that because I can't do it um, or she would get she would even work hard to do like a little presentation about you know maybe a science you know something science related or something about her and then she wouldn't actually uh, do the presentation at school, even though she worked hard on it at home. And because she just had just a lot of, I don't know, stress, anxiety, fear. And um, it really became apparent to us that we needed to consider an alternative and which really was an eye opener for us because we were kind of all inclusion all the way. She's going to graduate from her public high school and, you know, do the whole thing. And um, we had to finally say, oh, we need to take our cues from her and we need to figure out what she needs. And she was telling us she needed something different. And so that's when we started looking around and we uh, checked out the Notre Dame school and she um, went and did a trial there. And uh, I happened to put the presentation in her little backpack. And sure enough, she did the presentation to oh. this group of people that she had never met before because she felt so much more comfortable and oh, we knew amazing. right then and there that, sh that this was the place for her. And so she attends that school. She can attend until she's 22. And so she has two more years left after this year. And then we've got to figure out next steps, which we have an idea about, but we're, it's hard. This, this, I will say this stage after they turn 18, uh, certainly for someone like my daughter who probably is not, going to be able to support herself and live on her own, um, without some significant help. Um, it's, you know, up until this time, you always have school there. There's this kind of progression that you know, and that you, that, you know, everyone expects. And so, and you're you not in charge of through that. I mean, yes. Yes. You're, that you're not in charge of, you know, they you're know what they're doing. Yeah. Right. They know what she should be doing right now in right. 11th grade. And this is yeah. how they're doing this. And there's a path forward. And of course, you're, I'm sure you're very involved in discussing and advocating and all of that. But once that goes away, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys have to decide what makes sense for the rest of her life, or at least yeah. the next several years. Yeah, no yeah. pressure, right? Yeah, exactly. No pressure. It's a. It is. It 
we think about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. And I think that I'm, I'm definitely in this um, phase where I, it's a struggle because I have been parenting for 22 years now. And I, I was a stay at home mom for 90% of that time. And now I have these things that I want to do. And I, I, I have a business that I want to grow and I want to move from that. I, I, it's not that I don't want to be their parent anymore. Of course I do, but I'm ready for something more. I'm ready for something beyond just being their, their parent and, um, bridging that because I'm still her caregiver. I am still driving her to school every day. I'm still making sure that she takes a shower. I mean, though she's getting better about those independent skills, but, um, finding that balance because there's so many things that I want to do with regard to my business and growth and I still have to do these things and so it's this has been a really challenging time for us and then we also have you know I know that some people don't want to be empty nesters we kind of do want to be empty nesters I want to be an empty nester (laughs) I want to be an empty nester yeah I I even told my husband I said I'm going to have a really hard time if our kids like go to college and move back to our yeah. hometown because I want to live on the beach and I will not want to yeah. move if yeah. they live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But yeah. and I love them. Oh my gosh, I love them so much. Yeah. I would die for them. And I can't wait to be like, hey, do you want to get dinner instead of making dinner? Okay, let's yeah. go. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you know what? This movie's out. You want to go see it? Yeah. Like being able to reclaim my time. Yeah. And everyone's different. I, you know, I have, I have friends who are like, no, you know what? My husband and I, we don't take vacations alone because it's only eight more years until, you know, she's not ours anymore. It's only five more years till she's not ours anymore. And I'm like, oh my God, like we need our time to ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. we, you know, of course there's no predicting the future, but I, you know, I have a kid in third grade. I can give a, a a rough idea of a future where, you know, either they're in college or they've gotten a job, hopefully, and they, you know, they don't still live here. Mm-hmm, and my mm-hmm. life becomes more my own. I yeah, want my li- right. I really want my life back. My husband yeah. and I, our entire time of having children have fought for our um, relationship and our time. And not everybody is that way. And I think right. the people who, you know, are just so filled up by being with their children and vacationing with their children. I think that is so great. And there's no way they can relate to what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I think it probably sounds incredibly selfish. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't to me though. It doesn't to me because I, we, you know, we love being together. Like we love hanging out together. Like we love going and doing things together. We've worked together in the past. And so, um, and we have a lot of empty nester family friends right now in that phase. And they're out doing cool stuff. They're out doing cool stuff. And they ask us to go to dinner and it's like, well, we're a party of three. That's like our new hashtag party of three, you know, and, um, it's, it's, that's, that's been a little bit of a, struggle to accept i mean we're accepting it obviously but i'm we're just trying to figure out what that looks like what our future looks like because like you we actually we we do really like living in dallas i do see long term this being um her community long term 
but we also we really also like um being in uh santa barbara california and we've started going there i have some clients there we can work there remotely and um i have friends out there ironically they all are either married and don't have kids or they're empty nesters themselves so they're doing their own things. Hey, Angela, let's go do this. And it's like, oh, I can't. I got to take Casey, you know. Right. <laughs> like, oh, I ha- oh, my gosh, I'm there's this pottery this. class. Do you want to come? Right. And I'd not, love and, to. <laughs> and you're, te- you're tethered. Yeah. Yeah. What do other yeah. people in similar positions do? And I apologize. I don't know a ton about Down syndrome. So, sure. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and I know that there's probably um, different degrees of ability Um, Yeah, 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 definitely people with Down syndrome have a wide range of abilities and, um, and uh, abilities to function. And, and um, I think there's everything from uh, people with Down syndrome are living with their parents, to people living in group homes that are supported by, you know, like a, a support person that comes in and helps them. Um, then there are, um, fortunately this is growing, um, because people with Down syndrome are living much longer back in the seventies, their, um, average life lifespan was, I think nine. Um, and now, nine? uh, it's nine. Yes. <laughs> Just kind of crazy. I thought you were going to say like 25 or 30. I was not Well, it did nine. get up to that, but one of the, one of the issues, um, 50% of people with Down syndrome tend to uh, be born with a heart, um, defect. And, um, uh, so up until the seventies, a lot of those, uh, infants that were born with heart issues they didn't quite make it because we didn't have the technology and the understanding and the cardiac health that we have now and um so once that started uh becoming more prevalent once they were not being institutionalized and they were starting to live with their parents once they were allowed to start going to school uh in the 70s all of those things started really opening up um, and increasing the lifespan of people with Down syndrome. And so now the average lifespan of someone with Down syndrome is around 55. And so they're living a lot longer. So Casey's generation is probably one of the first um, or maybe the second that is going to out probably outlive us and um which is scary which is awesome you're having to pioneer Mm -hmm. and you don't really have something to look back at and see Mm -hmm. what was successful or what wasn't successful like there's not really a best practice no no there weren't there there you know because they're living longer now there's so much more of a need for um living situations for adults with intellectual disabilities and one of those situations is a living community which are growing in numbers which is fantastic um we that that seems to be what casey is gravitating towards she has been able to attend a camp at a living community um about 30 minutes south of us and um it is fantastic and she has loved it and she will she's gone for like three weeks at a time over the summer and so she's already expressed an interest that she says that's where she wants to live which 
makes us really happy because that would be a fantastic situation for her because I think it allows her to be social. It allows her to live among her peers, which I think already we've seen as she transitioned to Notre Dame school and started being around other kids with disabilities like her, her confidence level like blossomed. I mean, she just, she just went through the roof and she's just, she's done so well since then. It's been great. So I think that that she, you know, 19 year old and 20 year old kids want to be around their peers. You know, they don't want to be around their parents all the time, you know? And so, and she's, she's typical like that. And so, um, I think that that so she has expressed an interest in doing that. And so that's kind of what we're working for. It's not cheap. Um, there are some other options where, you know, um, well, they're a little more affordable. So we're trying to look around and see what what options are out there. And we're trying to approach it kind of like college, you know, like what are, um, like we're going to try and go visit some places. And um, she also has a best friend who I, I don't know if you, my my best friend Paige, her I, daughter has I have Down not syndrome. met her daughter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Shelby and Casey are best buddies. They live in Florida, but they, um, they're actually coming to, uh, coming to Dallas next week to visit this place because we do have thoughts of maybe the girls could live together. Um, you know, so there are more options basically is what I'm saying, which is so great for our uh, loved ones with disabilities, but it's, um, the demand is outstripping the supply right now because, um, you know, because of these um, advances in healthcare and education and socialization and therapy and all of those. So it's fantastic, but it's also hard. Yeah. Yeah. So So we're just trying to figure out all that. Yeah. Oh, just a small little problem. Yeah. Just, you know, small little dilemma. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I I think a lot of parenting is trial and error. And I think the generations are always trying to do better than the generation before. Right. So we're looking at, you know, you look back at what your parents would have done differently. Or maybe you saw friends that the way they were parented, um, you know, was different than you. Maybe, you, oh, I want, I, I want to be a mom like that person. And in this situation, you don't have a lot of people that you can reflect on or even talk to and say, God, I'm just so frustrated. Like we really want to get season tickets to the theater, the Broadway shows that come to town. And I just, the effort involved in making sure that our daughter always has someone to take care of her is too overwhelming. We're just not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of that. There's definitely a lot of that. Yeah. And I will say when Casey was born, first of all, I didn't, know much about down syndrome i knew no one with down syndrome this was before really the internet you know i was reading books about it like that that's you know now there's facebook groups and there's there's all kinds of ways you know to become acquainted with someone with down syndrome most a lot of people know people with down syndrome now so which is fantastic but at the time it was really scary for me and i didn't know anyone and so i felt very alone and we were actually living in a pretty rural area of maryland and so it was i didn't know a lot of people and it took about six months for me to finally meet someone who had a child with Down syndrome and her child at the time was eight years old. And I remember going to his birthday party and I brought Casey in her little carrier and I was like, oh my gosh, look at all these people at his birthday party. And here she is, she's living, she's 
smiling. She's happy because I was still grieving. I was still Mm -hmm. like, am I going to be sad the rest of my life? And I struggled with that. But then I, it was, it took some time for me to finally meet some other moms and say, oh, oh, okay, we can have a life. Yeah. Like, Like, look at this this birthday party. Yeah. Look at this person. Yes. Yes. And, and if I had known what my life was going to be like when she was born, I would not have been nearly as upset because she has, she has done so much. She has brought so much joy and she has changed us so much in so many good ways. We would not be living in Dallas closer to my family. My husband wouldn't be in business with his business partner because they both met through a special Olympics basketball meet. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Our lives are, have been just generously, um, uh, enhanced by her. And so it's been fantastic, but it's also has had its challenges, you know, like every child. And so like every, every parent, uh, so, we're just still working through those. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yes, I wouldn't change it for the world. But I'm so glad that I have, I'm so glad that I have been able to find other parents that I can relate to and that I can connect with and share our struggles with and share our successes with. And because they get it, they understand. And that's, I don't know what I would do without them, you know, so. A community that gets you is a mm-hmm. really big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being able to be really honest about the challenges you're facing and not have somebody look at you with their eyes this big because they can't believe you just said that or even just the problem that you're having. Like they just yeah. can't even, I mean, even with my kids and their anxiety and ADHD, I mean, there are a number of times where I have been kind of talking about some crazy thing that happened where there was just an anxiety meltdown that, you know, all these things happened. And usually after it's kind of like, it's a funny story. Like you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe that this happened. And I've had friends that, I mean, it's like you could hear like, crickets because they don't even know how to react yeah, yeah they, don't. they don't have yeah. that experience i'm like mm-hmm. am i supposed to be saying i'm sorry or mm-hmm. is it okay to laugh mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever and representation matters being able to Absolutely. see your life and other people being able to see what they're trying and didn't work getting ideas from other people yeah. is a really big deal so yeah, yeah you're a professional organizer i am And I am so curious because um, that is such a kind of, especially with the rise of Instagram and social media, you can kind of see professional organizers like at work um, when they are posting social media videos. And I'm just wondering, like, how did you discover that? And how have you implemented that into hopefully helping the chaos of your life? (laughs) So I, my, my personality is definitely um, uh, that me being organized helps me stay sane. It was one of the things that I think even when my kids were young and I was, you know, just struggling as a new parent, trying to figure everything out, I could at least that was something I could control. And um, it made it made my nervous system feel a little bit calmer. So I've always just had that. Um, And then in about 2016, 
My daughter had just transferred schools. My son had transferred schools. We had moved and downsized and to be closer to those schools. And I started seeing, you know, my son was a freshman and I started seeing kind of, oh, things are changing. Like they're needing me a little bit less. And what am I doing? Like it was a total midlife crisis, you know, mm-hmm. like I've been a stay-at-home parent. Am I going to want to do that still when my son is off? And I just really started, like I just felt like there was this something inside me that I wanted to do more. Like you said, I wanted to have more of an identity than just being their mom. And and so I started really doing some research on myself. And that's when I discovered the Enneagram. And it was so eye-opening for me to discover more about my personality and the things that were holding me back. I realized that I had not really even thought about my wants and needs because I had always kind of put others first my family first and really quickly some people I mean I don't know who they would be but some people may not be familiar with the Indiana I can't even say it right Enneagram Uh Enneagram yeah give like a little snapshot of what that is sure the Enneagram is a personality typing framework it's quite ancient but it's somewhat new to the United States in the past 50 or so years and it is different from a lot of the other personality typing frameworks in the sense that it is um, based on our motivations and not on our behaviors Mm. and I think that's really the the key and why it is so different and also why it was so helpful for me to have a better understanding of my own motivations and when we have a better understanding of our own motivations and we understand how those motivations of others are so different from us we we can have a lot more empathy and compassion because it gets into more of how they they think how they feel and what they do versus how we think how we feel and what we do so that's kind of a very very high level there's nine personality types of course i the the picture of it is a circle it i think of it as like a color wheel like there's an infinite number of expressions of those different personality types but um yeah i'm an enneagram nine i'm supposedly a peacemaker and our biggest thing is that we avoid conflict at all costs because we are working so hard to keep uh, anything out that would disturb our inner peace and then keep anything in that might disturb the peace of others. Okay. So it was really helpful for me to understand that about myself and that I had kind of avoided conflict for so long that I had kind of forgotten about myself a little bit and I had forgotten about kind of what do I want what are my needs and so that really started a long several year journey of trying to figure out what I like to to, to do and um, uh, since then I figured out that I do really have at like you know you you know they say people some people are like jack of all trades master of none that's how I felt for the longest time I can do a lot of things but you know like what's one thing I can do really well and I realize organizing was one of those things that I could do and so I just started doing it for a a couple friends and they started referring out and I was like oh I kind of think I want to do this and at the same time I actually was doing more stuff with the Enneagram and so I became certified as an Enneagram coach and so I do help people with their typing and understanding and using the Enneagram in organizing because I do think there's a relationship there so yeah absolutely how people relate to their stuff exactly and yeah you know, it's interesting um, in our house or in my car, I really think there is an outward representation of how I am doing 
based on like the trash in my car yeah because uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> because or the clutter in our kitchen and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. this is making me realize so my husband he really likes everything to kind of be like a reset and neutralized every night mm-hmm. before we go to bed mm-hmm. and we've had to have some discussions over the years where i have said he would want to watch TV for a couple hours and then go do that and then mm-hmm. go to bed, which that mm-hmm. would be bringing my like yeah, my brain yeah. back online Lifting instead of relaxing. Mm-hmm. And he would get annoyed because he's like, I'm out here doing dishes and you're in bed reading. So we kind of had to talk about, I was like, if you want me to help with that, we got to do it before I start winding we'll down, down. Mm-hmm. Be- before my three hour process to wind down and be able to sleep at night. Um, but it's really important to him that all the dishes are done, that the kitchen's reset. He kind of sweeps the hardwood floors. And I'm noticing that right now the kitchen is like a train wreck. So I probably need to ask him if he's okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> because it is not like the sink is full of dishes. Yeah, yeah. And we, I mean, our oldest, it's his job to clean up after dinner and we're sort of somewhat arbitrary on how often we actually manage to get him to do it and even if we're just too frazzled to say hey hey you you're running away i know you're running away like get back in here and do the dishes because we're just like whatever right you're so tired yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so tired Mm -hmm. and i know if i'm driving in my car and there's a bunch of fast food bags or water bottles that i've just tossed on the floor because normally what i try really hard to do is when i get gas I try to clear all that stuff out and throw it away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not doing good. <laughs> There's a lot of water bottles on the floor. When I turn, all of the sparkling water cans are clinking across the floorboards. Um, so my le- like my level of how much I care. And some mm-hmm. people, clutter does not bother them right. at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So mm-hmm. in raising your kids, how did organization help? Oh, definitely helped with, um, well, first of all, when, uh, with Casey, we have, like you probably have, you either have 504s or IEPs. Mm -hmm. Um, so having all of that kind of available and, and being able to access it, um, is huge. And also I think part of organization or really kind of the definition of organization is, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It is um, a way of setting up your space so that it works for you and your lifestyle and it helps you be calm or generate whatever emotion you and feelings you want, whether that's calmness or energy or whatever. But it helps, um, organizing helps reduce those low level stressors. For instance, um, especially my daughter who is four foot eight, she's not growing anymore. She's a teeny tiny girl. She's a little bitty. So, and I want her to be independent. Well, for her to be independent, that means that she needs to be able to get herself ready. Well, if she doesn't, if her shoes are not in the same place every day, she's not going to be able to find them. Now I'm fine. And I'm searching and finding for finding them. Um, so having a place for items so that it's easy to access, easy to put back, all that does is help our kids become more independent. And it helps, it, it gives us a little bit of a break, right? Because 
we I, I certainly want my daughter to be as independent as possible and, and, and my son too for that matter. But if things are scattered and things aren't in the same place every time, it makes it more difficult for them. So just things like that I think are um are reasons why it can be helpful to spend a little time setting up systems that work for you and your family. And I actually have, my business really is focused on working with families of kids with special needs, um, whether that's ADHD or autism or, or physical disabilities. Um, you know, if they have, uh, are in a wheelchair and they need, you know, different kinds of access or systems set up for them. Um, that's where I tend to focus because I feel like, there is a lot of um, benefits that we can gain as parents. We already have a lot of stress. We already have extra things going on. We already have so much paperwork that we have the to maintain. Paperwork. The paperwork. Oh, my God, the paperwork. <laughs> it's it's insane and over the top. And um, so, you know, helping families manage that, um, I think there's just so many reasons that it's already so hard and I'm in this phase too where we've had to, you know, obtain guardianship and we are applying for SSI now that she's, you know, turned 18. We've already been denied. So we're reapplying like, but I have to save every piece of paper. Well, if I can't access that and I don't know where it is, it can be really stressful. It creates stress. And that is the last thing I need right now. I already have enough stress in my life. Oh yeah. I I view the mail as somebody giving me homework. I'm like, why? (laughs) Why did you do this That's to me? What? Now I have a project. Now I have to go through these envelopes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I am somewhat guilty of this, but my husband is the worst offender of opening the mail, and but then doing nothing with it. Mm-hmm. So it's just oh, yeah. open, and he's looked at it, and mm-hmm. so he's like in his mm-hmm. mind, like clock that got to come back to it. And then, you know, somebody comes in to make a meal and there's just envelopes that are open mm. and like no action has been taken. Mm-hmm. And then I come mm-hmm. along and I'm like, so do we need this bank statement? Like this mm-hmm. is the bank statement for your company and the envelope is open and the, the letter is right here. Like, what are we doing with this? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I often I actually think a lot of Americans do this, but I open our mail over the trash can, absolutely, over the recycling bin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I make snap judgments. Yep. And I got Handle the shredder. It once. I mm-hmm. shred it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because you're giving, you keep giving your future self work. I'm so guilty of this. I'm so guilty yeah. of people are coming over and there's papers everywhere. So now I'm going to swoop up all the papers and they're going to go on the dryer and I'm going to close the door to the laundry room. And then, oops, we didn't pay the random bill that's not automated because it disappeared into a black hole exactly. of yeah. the laundry room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, there's so much to manage. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much, especially when you have kids that have doctor's appointments or you're mm-hmm. dealing with legal things. I feel like like nobody is doing what they're supposed to be doing. So we're constantly having to chase after them with the paper or with the form and send the email. And yeah. I also feel so often, I'm like, oh, if you had just, did you look at the per my last email exactly you know you're having to so it's like i'm having to like i have a to-do list i like a physical to-do list i also have some digital to-do lists but i like the physical to-do list because i have learned i can't really ever pass the football to anybody Mm. so 
I emailed someone this morning with a question and I put a check mark next to it because I did it, but I'm not crossing it out. <laughs> right. Because it's I not have, done. Because it's not done. Because mm-hmm. I don't trust yeah. you, lady. I don't trust yeah. you that you're going to do the mm-hmm. thing that I just mm-hmm. emailed you about. So I'm not crossing it out. Because yet. it's not out of your mental load yet. Mm-hmm. Right. It is yeah. still in your brain. You still need to think about it. You can't cross it off in your brain, so it can't be crossed off on your to-do list. And I am the exact same way. I have to have a physical list. I have kind of digital, but I also, I have this, and I call it a dump. Like I just write dump, and it's just all these little things that I just, I have it on the corner of my desk so that I can refer back to it because I can't keep it all in my brain, you know, but it has to go somewhere. Yeah, I joked about this on the podcast, but one day, you know, like I'll have ideas for episodes and I'll try to scratch it down so that when I, I, because I won't remember it later. And one time I looked at the piece of paper and it just said parenting episode. And I was like, (laughs) that is the whole podcast, (laughs) Stephanie. What were you going to talk about? (laughs) Like what, what? And I'm so curious. I will never know what that idea was because I did did describe it well um but I've also learned like for my mental health I do a lot of emailing myself too because I might not have my paper list with me so if I am just like in the waiting room at the doctor's office and I remember oh my gosh that field trip form I need to um do it I need to fill it out and send it in the backpack I'll just email myself really quick Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and then I'll find myself throughout the day replying to my email and (laughs) And, and making the list longer, yeah. but it helps yeah. my stress level because for some reason, I just felt like I just needed to hold all of that in my head. Like, oh yeah, I need to get a birthday gift for this. And oh, I need to write a thank you note for this. And then your brain is cluttered and I can't mm-hmm. function. I can't so either. Yeah. Yeah. Try to mm-hmm. offload it onto exactly. a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Very or email, like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I text myself. Um, I will text myself articles or things, you know, things that I need to do or lists or like if I'm at a client and I'm like, oh, I need to add something, you know, and I've started using the jury's still out, but I've started using Evernote. I don't know if you've used that, Mm -mm. Um, but it's, it's, it, you can like clip like web articles into um, you know, it's just really like kind of a, an organization tool, a digital organization tool. I'm trying to be better about it. I want to go all digital. I haven't been able to do that yet, but I have a to-do list. I have my goals for 2024. I can, and I can search just by words, you know, so, um, so that's the nice still out. searchable. It's searchable, yes. And um, like for my podcast episode ideas, I um, have an ongoing list and I can, if I come up with something, I will add it to that list. And then, um, yeah, I just, but, and I don't know how you do this, but like coming up with kind of my plan for what my podcast episodes, because I have so many ideas Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of guests that either have reached out or that want to come on or that I want to invite. And I'm like, how do I manage all of this? That mm-hmm. part's, I'm still figuring yeah, out. Yeah, it's a lot. I was very impressed that you, you know, sent me the link to your calendar and was like, okay, you go on here. Instead of us emailing back and forth and going, mm-hmm. what about Thursday this time? Oh, I can't do that. I mean, <laughs> I looked at your calendar. I picked a slot. I put it, it is, on my calendar. Yeah. I oh, Actually, it blew my mind. I was like, whoa, <laughs> should I be doing this? Like it I does should... help. Yeah, it does help. So yeah, um, I thought it, it was ingenious. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask ask you this what when you're working with these 
families that have, you know, special needs children, Mm -hmm. like I am constantly battling what I feel like is a reasonable expectation for my kids who, especially the ones with ADHD, who just struggle to, you know, remember why they walked in the laundry room, let alone, you know, I mean, some of the things I've done for them is all of their stuff is in clear bins Mm -hmm. so that they can see it. It doesn't disappear. Mm -hmm. Right. But I mean, man, I can walk in their room and I don't know how people are going to feel about this. This is definitely comes from a place of privilege, but I just keep my shoes on and I walk through their room. Mm-hmm. And if I step on a shirt and something crunches underneath it, like there's your natural consequence for leaving your Legos assembled under a pile of clothes that I couldn't see. But I mean, I feel like they're calmer and they feel more settled when their room is organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's so much happening with them and we go through periods of time where things are rocking and rolling pretty good and everybody's Mm -hmm. mental health is in a good place and I think okay I think we could probably introduce more expectations and then you know something happens something happens and now the anxiety is back ramped up and we're all just Mm -hmm. trying to get through dinner and the last thing I care about is that you use a towel every time you take a shower you get a new towel like it's just like ah so Wow. Do you have any tricks for working in that capacity with the kids? Yeah. Um, I Well, honestly, the biggest trick is um, managing your expectations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because it's my understanding that, that um, kids with ADHD, they're probably about 30% behind mm-hmm. in their level of executive function skills right yeah. so like age wise and so and it's you have asynchronous to... so and it's asynchronous you know, exactly yeah, they yes. could be really ahead mm-hmm. in one thing and it confuses everybody that they're you know still gonna have a tantrum that looks like they're three right but they seem really good in this other area so it's right. hard to set expectations because it varies per kid exactly it varies per kid it can vary per season you know like you said um and so i think managing expectations and recognizing that um uh little wins are to be celebrated also i think especially people with adhd um some tips i might suggest is if you are wanting them to um maybe set a time for their room to be clean having a peer buddy like a a a a clutter buddy they call it just someone in the room like say it's you or their brother or someone that can hold them accountable um having someone in the room can help them stay focused if they are um if that's a goal that they want to get their room cleaned up um I, yeah, it's mirroring I, basically. Yes, mirror, mirroring mirror exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So having someone there, um, and I think the other thing too is again, um, and this comes from an, uh, someone named Casey Davis, and she talks about struggle care. She has a whole podcast on it, and it's really fascinating. But and she has a you know it's a lot with regard to um organizing when you're dealing with some mental health issues and that can be everything from you're just having a bad day to you're really struggling with your mental health and um but she talks about just and this is what what with some clients that I've worked with whose kids have um ADHD where it's really rough with their rooms you know they're really struggling 
And um, I think just first of all, let's set up into like five categories and you just tackle one category at a time. And if you get that first category, it's a win, right? So okay. the first category would be trash. So let's just go in and take five minutes. Here's a trash bag. Go in and get all the trash out of your room. And and that maybe that's all you can do to do that day. If you can get done with that, then move on to dishes. Do What dishes do you have? Let's bring those back out to the kitchen. And we all know teenagers they they're like squirrels with you know used dishes <laughs> so. oh my gosh we're we're finally to the point we still have like the pottery barn uh silverware that we registered for when we got married 20 years ago yeah and i'm almost like i just need to run to target and buy some forks and spoons because right, i'm right. so irritated like when i can't left, yeah. find, like where are the forks <laughs> yeah. guys what are we yeah. doing yeah exactly so yeah so trash and then dishes then after dishes i would say is laundry next so like like if you could get the dishes and you've gotten the trash, just pick up the clothes. Like and and maybe, um, again, separating out those tasks. Like when it comes to laundry, you've got you know you've got to separate out your dirties and your clean, and then maybe you have with with laundry, you've got to separate out the whites and the darks. Well, maybe you don't bother doing that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just deal with some pink towels. Um, maybe. Uh, then you've got to dry it. You've got to, you know, maybe you want to get it folded and hung. Well, maybe that's too much. Maybe just having it in a laundry basket in your room that's clean and you know, and and your kid is okay with pulling it out of the laundry basket. I think just like uh, meeting them where they are and seeing what works for them. And, and if their natural tendency is to place their dirty clothes by the at the end of the bed put a laundry basket there just put a laundry basket there start there and see if why that, is that not as um... completely obvious to me <laughs> and now you're saying it i'm like move the laundry basket stephanie why yeah the but i know basket... but see that's but 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 you're right though it is not obvious all the time and so but i i think that's where you know someone who thinks about this all the time which i do because i love it so much i love solving these problems for for families um and that's just how my brain works but um trying to work with the natural tendency of your kid, whatever that is. That's why organizing is not a one size fits all. And it is a, it's a trial and error. You have to, you have to try something to see if it works. And maybe you come back and a few days later, oh, you found out, no, that doesn't work. What else can we do? But um, yeah, so laundry I know is a really big one. So just trying to maybe reduce the number of tasks to whatever the bare minimum is and doing something that mimics what their natural tendency is. Um, And then the fourth category would be um, items that already have a place. So you can, you know where those go. So that doesn't take a lot of mental energy to put those back in their place. And then finally, the fifth category, if you ever get to this is items that don't have a place. So now you, you've got to spend a little bit more time doing, right. you know, get spending some bins time, or whatever. get some bins, whatever. Um, but the more that you can set up so that, that your, you know, items that have a place, the easier it is, it's going to be to do that reset, whatever, in whatever, um, you know, uh, time it takes, um, whether that's once a week or once a month or once a day or whatever. And, um, yeah, I think just starting out in that way, um, just giving yourself some grace, managing your expectations and start small, just start with the trash, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just please, if you had a granola bar wrap, you know, like wrapper, like let's make it into the trash. We yeah. have, yeah. we have a big issue with our golden doodle who will not eat the food in his bowl until the kids are in bed. Cause he knows that's I'm out of opportunities to eat human food. Interesting. <laughs> like oh, he so interesting. literally like we're, we're putting the kids to bed and we come downstairs and he's like, well, dad, gum it. I guess I got to go eat this dog food because there's just, there just seems to be crumbs and morsels everywhere. And like, no matter what I say, it just continues to happen. And so he's just upstairs foraging he's around. Learned. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. like, what can I find up here? I try to keep the doors closed to everything this dog we i went from trash cans that were just open trash cans in the bathroom to trash can that had like the swivel back and forth lid mm -hmm. but then he figured out how to get his head in there and get that off and now it's the push type the push mm -hmm. you have to foot, foot pedal push and i mean i how? has he figured that one out yes. yet <laughs> He, he he's like a me medium to large size golden doodle and i'm like god i, I kind of wish i could catch him doing this like how are you doing yeah. this because like in our bathroom it's just a toilet closet and there's a trash can next to it and i try to turn it so it's in like it's harder for him to get in it and he somehow manages to get it out in front of the shower knock it over because he just loves snotty he's determined he yeah. is and oh, i'm also yeah. like yeah. how did i not notice he was missing for like 20 minutes right like, how quickly <laughs> silence yeah. how, how quickly did this happen <laughs> but you saying the thing about the laundry basket is so fascinating to me because like I'm thinking right now about one of my kids and I just buy cheap hangers. Like they're yeah. like, you know, pack of 18 for $5 mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of broken hangers and because they'll just grab their shirt and with too much force instead mm -hmm. of using two hands or whatever. And then we have a ton of broken hangers and you talking, I was just like, should I just get him a dresser? Like, like what can mm -hmm. I, how, cause the other day I was like, I'm going to charge you a dollar a hanger. Like I'm tired of these hang, like you can be more careful and you know, whatever, that was kind of my solution, which we've done mm -hmm. that off and on over the years. And it actually has kind of worked. Um, but I'm like, maybe I just should switch him to a different way of his shirts being stored so yeah. that he's not every morning breaking a hanger. And yeah. then I think I told this story previously, but Casey and I, um, we have like a professional steamer in our closet. So like we don't iron anything. I don't buy anything if it needs to be ironed. Steaming is the top of the care that their, our clothes are going to get. And for the longest time, we had one clippy hanger that you could put like pants on and that was it everything else would have to be a shirt and so we would kind of take the clippy hanger back and forth and so i would get annoyed when i would go in to steam something because i'm like well he still has his pants from earlier today clipped on the clippy hanger <laughs> and one day i was like I can afford to buy more Clippy <laughs> Right. Like, what am I doing for years? Angela, for years we have done this. Oh, no. And I was yeah. like, how much? I went on Amazon and I was like, oh my gosh, for $12 my yeah. whole life with clip hangers can be easier. But it's so hard because in the mm -hmm. moment. Right. You don't uh, realize it yeah. until you stop and you're like, why am I stressed out? But it yeah. really is, I think, like the, a lack of organization adds to this low level, these micro stressors throughout mm -hmm. our day. And when we're parenting kids who need extra, we don't have 
have capacity for that. We're and already so at a nine out of ten. Already at a mm-hmm. nine out of ten. So these tiny little stressors that we have throughout the day, we we can't afford those. And so it's all the more reason that's why I am so passionate about helping families of people with special needs. And that's why my podcast is all about helping people with of um, people with special needs, but it, it really like we need it as much as anybody, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, you're so right though. It's like, and I've had though, even as a professional organizer myself, I've had those times where it's like, we are so used to doing something the same way every time that we don't stop for a second and think, this is stressing me out. Why is this stressing me out? Oh, Maybe it's because I only have one clippy hanger and I could probably get some more. <laughs> that right, would be exactly. really easy. It's a really easy fix. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I just first of all, I was like, how how have we been doing this for ten years and we're right. sharing this one hanger? Like it's like it, they're five thousand yeah. dollars or something. And then the other thing was my brain was like, Wow, I have too much that I'm keeping up with if it wasn't obvious to me that I walk in and we're fighting over this hanger to go, you know what? When I go to Target this weekend, I should just pick up some extra hangers. Like I don't have capacity sometimes. Yeah, we don't. Mm -hmm. To see, to think, I think. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. It's so, you know, it's it's like when you go grocery shopping and you bring your kids with you, it's your struggle so hard. I struggle so hard to make sure I've gotten everything mm-hmm. because I can't just ruminate on like, how many cans of green beans do I need? How many of this do I, is the bread still good or whatever? Like you have a list, mm-hmm. but I still... You know, 80% of my brain is making sure my kids are behaving in the aisles of the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So right. I can't yeah. focus. Yeah. I can't yeah. think. And then you go home and you're like, oh my God, these three things that were so important and they were on the list, I somehow didn't even get mm-hmm. them. And I feel like uh, these children <laughs> that take so much from us or mm-hmm. we give so much to, there's all of this stuff that they're like the simplest things, like your right. brain power yeah. is used up because it's, Absolutely. your brain is running all of these other things and having to predict the future. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Constantly and manage other people's reactions, expectations, accommodations to our kids. I'm still doing that even with family members, you know, it just is, I'm constantly like on alert, like, cause she'll say something maybe out of context and maybe an older relative might be like, what did she say? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, you know, I've got to manage that. But like that predicting, like, what is she going to do? What is she going to say? And it was the same for my kid when my son, when he was, he was younger, because he was unpredictable for sure. But yes, predicting the future is really, takes up a lot of our brain power mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have to do it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a lot and I think there's just, yeah, there's so much like, Yesterday, our younger two kids weren't getting along, and I kind of knew when we called them in for dinner that dinner could be a disaster. So I kind of like went to each of them, and you know, the one that was the antagonist, I was like, okay, here's the thing you can come and just sit down and eat your dinner, and you don't need to comment on what happened earlier today. And I just need you to eat and be dismissed. And then the one that's kind of the recipient of the antagonism or the protagonist, I guess, um, I have to say, you can just ignore him. You can just come in, like, don't give him power over you. You can just come and eat. And you know what? I might have over-prepared him because he was like, I don't want to eat in the kitchen. 
can I eat in my room, please? Like, I can't do one more minute with him and how he's been treating me all day. I just want to eat in here. And then I was like, did I overdo it? Is that fair that he wants to eat in there? Um, and so my, and Casey and I are like, well, I don't know. Like, should we make him come out here and we all be together? Should we just give up for today and say, sure, you can eat your chicken and green beans in your room? Like trying to decide mm. because I have already am like worried about a dinner fight. Like mm-hmm. there's going to be a dinner conflict mm-hmm. and it's six and these kids don't go to bed till eight and we're going to be on a ride. So mm-hmm. I am already trying to keep everybody's emotions regulated and have mm-hmm. everybody anticipate. Mm-hmm. I just want them to come sit down and be able to eat. Right. And you just want to eat your dinner too, right? I would love to eat my dinner. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have learned to just go, we're going to eat. Like, yeah, <laughs> you guys just go in your separate corners, please. Yeah. And let your, yeah. Give us 10 mm-hmm. more minutes. Your parents would like to not be starving. Yeah. 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 Do you get it's into meal planning or any like talk thinking about that? So um, I haven't really done a lot of that with my clients, but my husband and I have got a good system that works for us because we are meal planners. Now he's the chef in the family. I am, um, I am the chief procurement officer. He okay. is the head chef okay. and we, um, we have, um, we have very defined roles with that and we try not to overlap because then we, it stresses each other out. And I am a horrible cook and he is, um, I mean, he's okay at shopping, but I'm a much better shopper. Mm-hmm. and much more efficient and I know where things are and I can boom, boom, boom. And um, so so we stick to our defined roles in, the, <laughs> in that area and then we spend time um, on the weekend planning out our meals or at least our dinners. And See, we're so bad at that and that just mm, creates stress on a mm-hmm. Tuesday night where you're yeah. just like, what are we going to have? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's stressful, knowing what to cook for dinner. Yes. Is, yeah, I mean, is, we have uh-huh. various meals that we can yeah. make but there's right. a little bit of like oh yeah. what should we make what should i make oh yeah. i feel almost you're spending the, mental energy that you could yes. be spending on something else on that yeah and like it's that, tuesday it's we're really having important. tacos it's right. on the calendar right. yes. and no one has mm-hmm. to think about it and someone's yeah. going to walk in there and make it i mean there's a lot of mental energy wasted on that yes. and then there's yeah. a lot of mental uh, my husband and I are just equally capable of making dinner. And what I mean by that is we each have like six things that we're capable of making and we just recycle them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's there's overlap in those recipes. And sometimes we're kind of at a standoff where mm. I'm like, when are you starting dinner? I don't know. When are you starting dinner? Oh, you know, and then yeah. the, kid, the kids walk through and they're like, it's seven. We start bedtime <laughs> at eight. Everyone's starving. Right. And they're like, what's for dinner? And I'm I don't know. Ask your dad. I made dinner yesterday. We are at a stalemate. Nobody's oh, eating. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we're both tired. Yeah. And we, right. mm-hmm. and it wasn't like, part of the plan you know it's yeah. kind of like oh yeah stephanie's gonna make dinner today or oh casey's gonna make dinner yeah and there's a little bit of like oh, i was really hoping you would make dinner right, <laughs> right. stand off <laughs> and then the kids are like is it one of those make your own dinner nights like, yeah. they hate it they hate it is this a make your own <laughs> is dinner it cereal night? for dinner tonight yeah. yep it yeah. sure mm-hmm. is yeah because we don't yeah. have a plan oh such a waste of mental energy yeah yeah definitely yeah. like i would definitely say if you can take some time on the weekend or prior even if you don't know exactly what you're going to make 
assign a night, you know, mm. a, whatever works for you. Assign a night. Look at your calendar. And Mike and I will do that, like, because there'll be sometimes, because he, you know, he works a lot and he normally works from home. He's been a lot more in the office lately. So um, I will make sure, like, I'll prep or I'll do something to make sure it's ready for him to cook because he enjoys cooking. It's, it, 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 it relaxes him or it stresses me out. So he's mm. okay with coming home and cooking, but, um, where I, I don't mind going to the store that, that stresses him out, you know? So, but knowing, I think for you guys, if it's evenly split, like talking about it ahead of time, looking at your calendar and say, Oh, I've got this thing. So can you cook that night? I'll cook this night, you know, kind of at least having that up front will release some of that mental energy, you know, and you just know, you don't have to spend time on it. And you just know, okay, it's Casey's night to cook, or no, it's my night to cook. And I'm going to prep, you yeah. know, and then nobody's sitting um, there because that, it's that yeah. and it's who's taking the kids to school today. And, oh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, I was yeah. Hoping, we, th- I, we go through that too. <laughs> I was we, hoping we you would, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have to talk through that because he is trying to help me out more because I'm usually the um, default uh, mm-hmm. chauffeur and that has been fine until I've started working. And um, so now, and I am learning like my prime time of work is like kind of 10 to four, you know, and especially with clients and stuff. So there are times where I just don't have time to be in the pickup line at 2.45, you know. So we actually have to talk through the – we look at our calendar and we talk through it. And he'll be like, okay, I'm picking her up this day and I'm driving her this day and whatever. So – but yeah, it's it, hard. But I have one to think about right now. Right. You have three. You know, and that makes it hard. Yeah. Yeah, because they're mm-hmm. all going in different directions. Yes, they're at least on the same campus. But, yeah, the activity situation. Oh, and I, I am working really hard on uh, – when my husband needs to provide transportation, um, that I don't feel bad that I have like that he is having mm-hmm. to drive his own kids to basketball practice. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. It's okay yes. that he's doing that, and you you can release that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And not feel like oh I'm failing because I didn't yeah. manage to cram it all in. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I thought of that I'll say about meal planning too is some families. It depends on kind of, you know, each family, but some families will just say, okay, every night, every Tuesday is Taco Tuesday and every Wednesday is, you know, breakfast breakfast for dinner or so they just have an automatic. So you, you don't have to spend the mental energy on those nights. You just know what you have, what you are going to have, you know what you need to get at the store. Like, so just it's kind of more like minimalist meal planning you know just well, and having it's really yeah it's helpful yeah. for kids with anxiety who mm-hmm. really need the the stage set for yeah. you know anything that they're doing right. mm-hmm. like if they just already know we used to have issues with one of our kids when they were littler uh and i started i actually went through and i printed out like pictures of the different like uh, clip art of the different meals we would have mm-hmm. and i would paste it on this little calendar because he couldn't read yet so that he could see all day long he could walk by and see that it was going to be spaghetti because so good when he'd come and sit down and it was spaghetti and in his mind he wanted a hamburger like it was just a yeah. disaster and he yeah. likes spaghetti 
Mm-hmm. So just making it predictable. Um, but the kids are more flexible in that area now. So I haven't spent any time on mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's so helpful. And my daughter is one that she asks all the time, what are we having for dinner? What are we having for dinner next Tuesday? Oh my gosh. My oh my gosh. is I'm like, eating I, I dinner and going, what's for dinner tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, I don't yeah, know, man. Yeah. Why are they we want to know. Yes. And we have a, we have a dry erase calendar in her room that we, it's a monthly calendar. We've had it for years. We spent the first day of the month going through. Sometimes we will write dinners if we know what it is. We've gotten a little, she's gotten a little bit better about that, but, but we have every doctor appointment, every activity, everything that like, because she wants to know it helps her stress level and it helps Mm -hmm. her anxiety level reduce because she understands and knows what to expect because those, you know, transitions, surprises, those can be hard for kids. Yeah. Well, and just mm-hmm. unpredictability exactly. of like going, yeah. oh, hey, um, a drop, like in drop off line. Oh, hey, you have a dental appointment today after school. So I'm going to pick you up at 2.15 instead of yeah. whatever. And the and in and, and my mind, like I knew the dental appointment was coming. I've made arrangements to make sure they can get there. Sorry. Surprise. Oh, you are, you're doing a special thing in art today and you're missing it. And I have thrown a grenade in your life. Trying really yeah. hard to remember they're not two anymore and right. they're whole people <laughs> they and I can't are, just yes. drag them in each direction yeah. and just they just need to be willing trying yeah. really hard to let them know like yeah. what is happening in their lives is important so helpful for them but you're right like just remembering that they have those anxious moments too and how helping them know what's coming can I think reduce their anxiety and their stress yeah but you're right like it's in our brain so you know like we kind of forget to let them know (laughs) we're on it like come on let's go (laughs) what's happening oh my gosh well it has been so great talking to you today um i am gonna hang up and go organize my entire house real quick oh good feel very motivated right now to do that. Um, so tell everybody real quick before we sign off about your website and um, your podcast. So if people would like to learn more about getting sure. themselves organized and reducing stress, they know where to go. Sure. So my business is called Your Space Reclaimed. I'm based in Dallas. I do virtual as well, but um, I definitely work with clients here in Dallas. And um, my website is yourspacereclaimed.com or .net, either one. And then my podcast is called Especially Organized, Sensible Solutions for Special Needs Moms. So if you just Google Especially Organized, it's on all the major platforms. And you could also on my website find my podcast and, and link to it there. So um, and then I'm on Instagram, too, at Your Space Reclaimed. And um, yeah, yeah, I love to talk about organizing. I talk a lot about my, you know, being a special needs mom on Instagram, too. So it's all there. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, I spent two seconds and I found you. You pulled right up. So oh, you, good. Were, you were good. easy to find this morning oh, when that's I was wanting to, to look know. at your website. So that's awesome. that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been oh, so fun, Stephanie. I'm so thank honored. You. Thanks. Yeah. That was so much fun talking to Angela. I really like her. We got to know each other through friends of friends of friends. So you might want to check out her podcast. She's going to do a new series. I'm not sure when she is releasing it. And it's all about 
the Enneagram and how what number you are affects your parenting children with special needs and your organization of your life and kind of how you have treated your situation. So she needed an eight and apparently I'm an eight. So anyway, we had a fun conversation. If you want to check that out, the name of her podcast again is Especially Organized and her website is yourspacereclaimed.net. Thanks for listening. I hope everyone has a great holiday and I'm going to take a couple weeks off for the insanity of the holidays and you guys probably won't even have time to listen to this anyway. So I plan on the next episode dropping on January 15th. My kids don't go back to school until January 4th. Can you believe that? So I am not going to be able to make this podcast until middle of January, but I look forward to seeing you guys then. Please reach out anytime via the website or email where the F is my village at gmail.com. And we'll see you next year. Bye villagers. Where the F is my village is an SP production. Special thanks to Jason Academy for providing our music.